Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's Jackie Cation And you are listening to The Dork Forest The website's JackieCation.com DorkForest.com TheDorkForest.com if you like a determiner Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video. Vilmos works on JackieCation.com. And Mike Rickberg uh, sang the song with his wife, Sarah. He composed it, and he will sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening to The Dorks Forest. Here's a scoop. I'm doing stand-up online. A lot of Zoom shows will eventually go back on the road. Sign up for my email list. It's easy to get off. It's harder to get on than it is to get off. And no harm, no foul. If ever bored, JackieCasia.com, sign up for the email list. You'll find out about my weekly Zoom shows and stand up on the road eventually. You may donate to the show if you would like. I would like. Sure, I would. There's PayPal, Jackie at JackieCasia.com, and there is a PayPal button on both ZorkForest.com and JackieCasia.com, and there's Venmo if you like Venmo, Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. If you have listened to all of the shows, Go to dorkforest.bandcamp.com, I think. The Dork Forest has a Bandcamp page. You can listen to a a lot of ones that are free from pre-2000 nine when I started pre-recording and uh, then there's uh, live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks so I charge you a couple of bucks. There's also some stand-up. There's a story uh, album that's very exciting there and um, other than that I have a lot of merch in my garage. Feel free to order if you know anybody who doesn't have any CDs or the DVD and uh, you can follow me everywhere at Jackie Cation. Let's get into the show. Hey, Jackie Cation here. Very exciting. Uh, this, we have never met, but you do music and you do uh, comedy and all the things. And it's at youngsouthpaw.com. I'm going to assume you're left-handed. Welcome to the program, Aug Stone. Thank you, Jackie. There we go. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. And it's at Aug Stone on Twitter, but it's at Aug X Stone on uh, Instagram, correct? Somebody took Aug Stone and they haven't used their Instagram in like a decade and i tried to reach them to get you know aug stone as it was but no no response you know what there's a certain amount of uh street cred having that x in there that uh that brings that and if i can think of anyone who doesn't have any street cred it's you you need all the street cred i've been watching some videos i've been listening to some songs you got a band camp with a with a pile of albums and stuff and that's just sort of young southpaw.bandcamp.com yes it is okay and it's a pile Yes, it's a pile of albums, and so go to Bandcamp and check them out, you guys. And then Part of an Hour is the name of your podcast, right? The Young Southpaw Part of an Hour, yes. Oh, The Young Southpaw Part of an Hour. Okay, Rangers, that's it. Yeah, let's do the full title. But it's, uh, so that's all of it, just so people can find you again, because uh, people will enjoy your dorkdom. I have not, we have not talked, we have not spoken of this uh, dorkdom in quite some time, Augstone, and it is... James Bond, dun, dun, dun. Yes. or sh- I should have said Bond James. Uh, I don't know a lot about James Bond, <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were uh, in for a treat. 
I am in for a treat. I saw that movie with uh, the guy without a shirt. Uh, the oh, casino. that one, yeah. yeah the James the Bond movie. One. The James Bond movie <laughs> where the guy doesn't wear a shirt and his name might be Daniel something, an actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. Uh-huh. So James Bond are books and their movies. Which one are you? Which are you a fan of? All of it? All None of it. it. Though I'd yep. have to say I prefer the books. Um, oh, that's cool. They're less... Uh, well, the, the the movies can get absurd. I've, I love the movies, um, but there was a time period, a long time period, where they were, you know, just kind of womanizing and no real plot. They're, all of Roger, I love Roger Moore. I think he's a fantastic actor. Um, when he was the saint, he was a lot more like James Bond than he was when he was James Bond. Because for lots of the Roger Moore movies, they're just one-liners. They seem like excuses for him to right. have a one-liner. Right, right. Uh, I have to say that that the the movies seem to be a lot of dick jokes. Yeah, but the books I don't think the books are serious. Yeah, serious spy novels in which yeah. you know the women are especially Moonraker, which I love. Gala Brand, who is the heroine in that, she saves the day just as much as James Bond. It's a great read. It's gripping. Whereas in um, you know, the movie of Moonraker, they're going to outer space and like, uh, you know, oh, it's just go. a bunch of dick jokes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, but Moonraker, that one's one of the earlier ones, right? That's like, a, I think it was the third book. It was an early book and it's one of the middle um, movies. It was 1979. Okay. Great theme song. Sure. I, that uh, Is that Paul McCartney? That's Shirley Bassey who did... A few of them, and it's sure. it's a lovely theme song. And I had a theory for a while, which can be debunked because there are exceptions. But that the the worse the movie, the better the theme song. Like oh. if you'd kill the Duran Duran one, great yep. theme song. But uh, sure. you know, Roger Moore was, I think, it was fifty four in that one. Um, okay, not the sprightly young <laughs> secret agent. <laughs> yeah, how old is he? What's the first? Is the first book? I think I is the first book Casino Royale. First book is Casino Royale. Yes. Okay. And that was and, written in the 50s, right? Yes. And strangely, they never did the movie, the Daniel Craig movie was 2006, and there wasn't like a regular Bond film with Sean Connery or anything. There was the spoof with like Peter Sellers and those guys, but it was odd that they didn't, you know, start with the first one. But right, the first right. film was Dr. No. Oh, which for many years, and this isn't. Uh, to any, to apropos of anything, uh, I got Doctor No and Doctor Strange left mixed up. Uh, the two movies, uh, two very different movies, but both um, Doctor Strange left much more serious, weirdly enough, than Doctor No. I think. Um, what? Okay, so James Bond is—he's a guy with a license. Does he have a license to kill in the books? He does. Yes, he is in the double so, O section, which is the section with the license to kill. Okay. And there's only like three or four of them. Okay. And, uh, okay, so there's three or four double O's. Hmm. And they're, it's at their discretion. They can just, they, they're like, oh, this has to, this needs lethal force. I can murder somebody. Yeah, um, and I think Bond is very uh, conscientious of the fact of what it means to take somebody's life, even if it is an enemy. And, like, you can see, especially in the Daniel Craig films, how this haunts him. Okay. Like the reason he drinks so much and, you know, tries to drown himself with women and alcohol is I think sure. you know, it weighs it's heavy. 
Yes, yes. The it's uh, nobody ever drowns themselves in good works. Uh, it's always weird. Nobody's like, you know what? I gotta do. I gotta, I gotta feed the homeless. And uh, it's that'd like, be an entirely I, different Bond film. It really would. It would be. It would be a, a, a Bond film where you're like, nah, I just gotta go get laid. And uh, that that and literally, we're talking about eleven minutes of Cersei's. I mean, it is not like a, it's not a long. I mean, maybe some tantric sex, you know, if you decided to get into like an 11 hour sting kind of situation or, you know, the Kama Sutra. This, yeah, this is, we should write this, you know, tantric <laughs> sex Bond film in which he decides to feed the homeless when he's done oh. with all the tantric sex. <laughs> right. Those are two different books, Og. Those are two different We've kinds of characters. <laughs> right, right. Maybe it's a 009 and uh maybe oh, like there it. is one of the double o double o's that has decided to use his haunted presence for good instead of <laughs> the double o six nine who's like right below double oh, seven wait a minute. Order. and uh so so what what do you reread them are they a pretty good reread yes i read them when i was a kid I, my introduction to bond was i remember um i grew up in connecticut and my extended family we were very close we'd always go on vacations together and one weekend we all went down to atlantic city mm-hmm. uh you know it was less than a couple hours less than two hours away and like my you know the, all the adults were gambling and having a good time but my older cousins who were probably you know early teens they were babysitting and i was eight and i remember we were just flipping through the channels and then there's a scene of you know a bunch of men clad in black just skiing down an alp and this really awesome music and like everybody, all my older cousins stopped and was like, we got to watch this. And I was like, what's this? And I'm like, it's James Bond. And it was On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which to this day remains my favorite book, film, and theme song. Oh, okay. And theme song. All oh, right. Yeah, it's From- such a cool theme song. <laughs> um, and it's an instrumental too. It was John Barry. And it's just rad. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, the, and like I watched it and I was just completely, I hadn't seen anything like it. And plus my older cousins got me into like lots of cool stuff. My introduction to like, all the music I listened to, like Van Halen and everything, came from their excitement about things. So, sure. like when this happened, you know, being an impression eight years old, I was like, "Wow!" And then I got so into it. And you know, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is a strange introduction because it was right after Connery left. It was George Lazenby, the only film that he ever made. Okay. So I have like an affection for him, although the most people don't really rate him that highly. I've he never even I've never even heard of him. He was uh, an Australian model who somehow got the Bond gig. Okay. And then didn't um, really play ball with the organization after it was released. Like he grew a beard and got into sort of like hippie culture, whereas, you know, that's not what they wanted from their James Bond. No, no, they, 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 uh, they, they had, uh, I don't know, they had watches to sell. Yeah, and uh, so what was his name? George Lazenby. Wow. I kind of want, whatever happened to him? Do we know? Uh, there, there are some, I think, YouTube things, whatever happened to George Lazenby, and I've always right. meant to watch, but I have, I have <laughs> I know enough about like when he was finally replaced, and then Connery came back for Diamonds Are Forever, the next film. Okay. Well, how did what happened? How did uh, so so he grew this beard? Wait a minute. Pardon me. A quick PSA while I read you a paragraph from the George Robert Lazenby Wikipedia page, uh, nineteen thirty nine. You guys, uh, an Australian actor and former model, the second actor to portray uh, James Bond. And he played the character on Her Majesty's Secret Service, 1969. Um, shortest among the actors. He was also the youngest actor. He was 29. And, uh, and he was a non-Brit, the only non-Brit 
Um, yeah. Okay. Later. What's, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. What's interesting about that is like before Daniel Craig, uh, all the actors came from a different territory of Britain. Like Connery was Scottish. Okay. Lazenby was Australian. Uh, Roger Moore was English. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan was Irish, and uh, Timothy Dalton was Welsh. Oh, do you, do you think they d- did that on purpose? They were like, no, "We're gonna not at all, no, not at all." <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is a curious fact, I think. It it is a curious British. Uh, the the they went to the colonies. So was there ever an American cast? No, but there was talk of it, which I just don't think would be right. Well, it I feels. Can't, well, I can't see it. Right. Um. You know, uh, Cumberbatch, uh, he's played everything else. Um, that would be, it'd be a weird thing for him, for, for uh, Sherlock, Dr. Strange, Benedict. Is he actually American? No, but he oh. does an amazing American accent. Ah. So I was just like, if he played him, but with an American accent, that would actually kind of crack me up. Uh, because it would be, it would be, it would be another parody though. So I think, well, in his younger days. David Lee Roth should have done it. That would have been fantastic. David Lee Roth of Van Halen? (laughs) Of Van Halen, yeah. Combining my two great loves. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, can you imagine it? Just like that high energy, you know. Right. He went went solo, uh, if I remember correctly, after Van Halen. Did he not? First concert I ever saw. Oh, okay. Um, I was 10. And uh, actually, the 1984 tour, I was eight. And my older cousins, again, who I mentioned, got me lots of cool stuff. They, I remember my cousin Keith calling up my mom and like begging her for me to come with them to see the 1984 tour. My mom, you know, was like, no, he's eight years old. He's eight you years know? old. You're going to take him to a rock concert? Yeah. But then two years later, mm-hmm. um, David Lee Roth went solo in his first solo tour and Keith called my mom up again and she let me go. And, you know, it just changed my life. Oh, yeah. it's. I think we all think that there's going to be I think we all think that it's going to be that concerts are going to be full of drugs and sex and stuff like that. So you don't want an eight year old. Little do you realize it's just going to be eardrum damage. It's so nothing, loud. It's so loud. Nobody's handing it. I mean, especially not your cousin, you know, or not. I would assume. I mean, there are some cousins that would hand you a joint. They there did are not. Some, they did not. Yes. It's uh, but it's like those are different. You're, then you're, if you are raised in the family where your cousin does hand you a joint, your mom is also like, yeah, go, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, yeah. I, I got work to do myself. So, uh, <laughs> they were yeah. very drunk though, you know, Oh, the, the cousins <laughs> I, were- I met them there with another cousin of mine and mm-hmm. like, Ethan, his friends were very, very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> the first concert I ever saw, we, there were four of us and there was one six pack. Oh. So, uh, we all. <laughs> We had like one and a half beers each and it was uh pretty lame and uh but it was ariel speedwagon and okay. um the world series of rock oh april wine opened up for him you guys i don't know anything about music and i date it to that very moment because i didn't know what i was seeing <laughs> so but van halen if he would have played james bond and it was the 80s it, it would have been he would have gotten, he would have had to have a haircut, right? Didn't he have very wild hair? He did. I, this is a very good point. I hadn't thought of this before. I guess I just assumed he would sort of tuck it into some sort of hat or something. <laughs> Van Halen uh, would have been uh, David Lee Roth uh, with a man bun, uh, just ahead of the, ahead of the curve. Uh, it's cool. So 
the books themselves, though, are short, right? I mean, they were those pulp size, like 220s, right? Just Yeah. And Ian Fleming said his job was to get people to turn the page. He wasn't okay. interested in being, you know, literary. It was just to get people turning the page. And actually, oh. when you asked me about the books and movies initially, and I started into my story about Atlantic City, I then, uh, a couple years later, uh, you know, you bring books into school to read, and I brought in on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and mm-hmm. the teacher called my mom and didn't think it was appropriate. Wow. Um, because you were 10 at this point, right? And she just thought it was too... I think she, your teacher had only seen the movies. Probably. Because, like, yeah, there was that sort of stigma. And um, Kingsley Amos, who uh, wrote the first Bond continuation novel, an author I really love, he pointed out that oh. on average in the book, there is really only one seduction per book. That's true of, uh, of the Jack Reacher novels. He usually gets laid right around page 450. 445. Um, Jack Reacher novels? I'm not familiar. The Jack Reacher novels are um, essentially he is James Bond, except for that he's a mug, right? There's no, there's no glamor to it, right? He is, he was a military police guy. And um, there are movies, Tom Cruise famously did a mediocre job playing Jack Reacher in a movie because Jack Reacher is supposed to be like six, seven, and amazingly athletic. Uh, and Tom Cruise is very agile for a guy who's 5'5", five five, but he's, you know, much, you know, he's, he's not the same physical presence that, that the character, but it's interesting. Uh, I will weed off Augstone, by the way, into books that I've read that re- remind me of books that you've read. Awesome. Uh, I love talking about books. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know, were they, was he the smooth, suave guy? In, in those early, like, was was he a tuxedo guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was totally suave. Uh, okay. Yeah, not in a different way than the films. But, yeah, you, you, he's really? definitely a gentleman. Yeah. Right. Well, how how different? Like, 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 obviously, not smug. Like, Roger Moore played him as pretty smug. Right, but, yeah, not yeah. smug. <laughs> okay. Just, you know, he's he's a secret agent. In the fifties, mm-hmm. forties, fifties, doing his job, you know that's you, know, you dress a certain way. You have a health regimen, and you know you are <laughs> <laughs> right. You got to get those sit-ups in. Joe Pilates just introduced. Uh, so the got to work in your core so that you look good in a tux. But he's because he's a spy. He's got to blend in. And I've never thought of anyone who doesn't blend in more than James Bond. Like, what kind of spy is that? Right. <laughs> True. I guess David Lee Roth as James Bond would be the epitome of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I could just see David Lee Roth just showing up going, hey, man. No, I'm, I'm Bond, James. Uh, he's on anyway. roller skates. He's <laughs> raring to go. He's got, you know, his spandex on. There was a guy named John Bush who did a joke uh, at it, it uh, that Keanu Reeves as James Bond. And this was uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This is back literally in the early nineties. Um, and he did a joke and, and he did an impression of what Keanu Reeves would be as James Bond. And then he did an impression of that, which would be, my name's Bond, Jamie Bond. And, uh, which was funny at the time, obviously I've remembered it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but that's, I think what David Lee Roth would be, you know, more surfer, surfer guy <laughs> going, Hey man. Uh, but how did he, like, everyone must have known that he was a spy in the books? No, 
he uh he had he assumed lots of different identities and um like i yeah i don't i guess he had to have uh an honor majesty's secret service um which is i think commonly regarded as the best book he he does have some facial alteration like uh to make him he has to go into blofeld's lair which is on top of an alp and he okay. has to look like uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, I believe, who is like this expert on heraldry, because Blofeld, this arch villain, is trying to get um, what's the word I'm thinking of uh, acceptance um, by um, claiming a, a like a count title. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, so, so he's trying to do providence to say that he's a long lost heir of some countship, yeah, or something. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got to be. We're here to see the tapestries, uh, Indiana Jones kind of thing. And uh, so he's supposed to be that guy. Yes, yes. Sorry, I was about to go off on another tangent. because oh. there are There's a Southpaw story. Oh, My please, Southpaw let's stories hear it. are basically a premise and then just going off on wild tangents. Like, what if uh, Bond, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and David Lee Roth were combined in a film? <laughs> what that would be like. <laughs> Because again, Indiana Jones, another huge thing growing up. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I would probably say, is my favorite film of all time. It's uh, it's incredibly well done. It's en- enormously well done. I tried to watch Temple of Doom the other day uh, because I bought the three-pack. Um, does not. Uh, turns out even at Fast Forward, um, there's probably three or four good scenes. And uh, My friend Mike sort of took that, you know, when they're eating the bugs and the monkey brains. Yeah. I think he saw that as a kid. And was mm-hmm. just like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Because I like, he's been at restaurants and like ordered pigs intestines, like just to try them. And then like the chef had to come out this one time and say, uh, "You have you had these before? You, you know, there's going to be a certain smell with pig intestines. Right. Let's want to make sure you're prepared." And Mike's just like, "Nope, this is what I do." That's interesting. It's always fun when you go to, um, and it's usually. Uh, a non-Whitey Magoo ethnic restaurant and you order something that clearly they're like, uh, I have, I used to work at a Chinese restaurant and the way they put it, very subtle. They would say, Americans don't like that. And you're like, just say it. You're just like, you, you think that it's too spicy for my, for my, my pasty, pasty self. And they're I'm like, I want to try it. They're like, you better pay for it in any case. So I'm like, I promise to pay for it, even if I don't finish it. And uh, if so I'm good sick for all him. over your table. Exactly. I won't get sick. I will. I'll have one bite. And then I don't have that kind of pride issue. My pride issue is I want to give you $13 for something I'm not going to finish. And uh, so. Did it blow your mind that Temple of Doom is a prequel? Um, uh, it just did. Right. I did not know. I did not know that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Augstone has blown my mind. Uh, really? It is? It makes... It's it's only by the caption at the very beginning. It's dated like 1935, whereas uh, Raiders oh, is yeah. 1936. And I didn't realize this till like however many viewings in. I put it on one night and I saw that. I was like, wait a second. This changes what? everything. It really does. And it means that he does have better taste in women. Uh, because uh, Spielberg's wife, not not my favorite. And granted, when you are cast as such a person, a damsel in distress, sometimes the director will say, scream. And she was clearly told to do a lot of screaming. And because uh, it was terrible. 
It was too much. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, I was I was read that you know scripts should have like a lot uh, directors like lots of white on the page. So there are probably just some pages that just had the word scream on it. Just scream, <laughs> just scream, and pretend you're. And I don't know. I don't know how scared what you do when you're scared. And I do. I do. I scream when I'm scared, but I mostly swear. So uh, I don't know what, like, and the best example of, of just sort of a, a, a controlled ex, uh, experiment in terror, let's say, because I don't, I don't do, I, I don't do scary things very well, but uh, haunted houses. I once went to Knott's Scary Farm, which is 30 different haunted houses at Knott's Berry Farm, and they have dry ice, so it's all in fog, and they have people in character who just fucking bother you. And uh, it is genuinely anxious. I'm just anxious the entire time I'm there. I'm just like, isn't there a safe space? Isn't there, can I, uh, you know, and there isn't, uh, or if there is, this one never found it. Uh, and literally I, th I went to four, cause there's 30. I went to four of them. I'm weeding off, but I went to four different haunted houses. And by the fourth one, they had tried to ruin everything from my childhood, from dolls to uh, old toys, like all, all the different haunted houses had a different theme. Ario Speedwagon? Yeah, Ario Speedwagon, <laughs> right. You were just like, is that April Wine in a cage? Anyway, so uh, but the um, so I went, I was like, you guys keep going. See however many of these things you want to see. I'm going to go sit on a bench. So I'm sitting on a bench and there's ice fog, you know, the dry ice fog around me. And all of a sudden, there's a dude standing right behind me. And he's just an actor. And I was like, I don't approve of any of this. I, uh, But I wanted to scream. But all I did was start swearing. And uh, it's like on roller coasters, I swear. I don't scream. I just tend to just start a mantra of fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Screw this. And it uh, goes like that. So whenever... And this is the last thing I'll say is whenever I'm on a roller coaster and it's like, there's like three people that have gone to the park. And so I, sometimes I would end up sitting with a child or a stranger. <laughs> I would always warn them before we took off. I'm like, I swear, I am so sorry. Uh, if this is genuinely scary, you will just hear me swearing over here. <laughs> Some poor eight-year-old. Okay. All right. Picking up lots of new words. <laughs> And adding some to my own. But so, yeah, so I didn't. Temple of Doom is a prequel. Getting back to it. That's Ooh. insane. Right. <laughs> yeah. Have you read up on that at all? Or did you just notice it and go, that just blew my mind. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah, basically. And then I think I posted on the Internet about it. This was like 10 years ago. And everyone was like, I think you're making too big a deal out of this. But some people got it. Like, <laughs> Oh, you are not. This right. is, I literally, I, I will be going down a rabbit hole after this podcast to figure out what the hell. And then the next, uh, Indiana Jones movie ties it back to Bond because we got Sean Connery coming in as his father. It's true. Yeah. That one, that one might be my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Really? It's a really good movie. I love that it's one a, too. Yeah. It's a really good movie. And, um, Holy Grail. You know, I'm always good. I'm always on board whenever there's some sort of weird Bible crossover. Uh, the scariest movie I ever saw was The Omen. And uh, that was all Bible-y, too. And you're like, hmm, no. But uh, 
I can't. I'm not psyched. But the but it is always kind of fun with the with the Holy Grail and the chalice. I I often say that's not the cup of a carpenter. Just in conversation, just, just in everyday yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> do you like Raiders better than Last Crusade? I do. Yeah. Okay. And I, it's hard to untie it from the nostalgia factor of you know being five years old and seeing it in the movies and just like yeah. 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 I have to. Though, yeah. I have. Go ahead. Speaking of scary stuff, Raiders is tied into something with me in that uh, when I was like a few weeks before that. We used to have lots of like just garter snakes in our yard, and my dad picked one up by the tail, and it like curled up and bit him on the wrist, and like he was bleeding. And I watched all this as like a four or five year old, and it instilled a fear of snakes in me. And then I go to see Raiders a few weeks later, and I was just you know terrified. You're like you are correct to be afraid of snakes. <laughs> and did you see Young Indiana Jones when we find out? Well, actually, that's at the beginning of Crusade. When how we find out why he's afraid of snakes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole train thing. Because I, who was it? Who played young Indiana Jones? I'm spacing. He died. Yeah, it was. Uh, a, it was the. It was, it was River Phoenix. Yeah, it was River Phoenix because Joaquin has uh, got a cut lip, and uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm super sensitive. You guys, if you're watching uh, the video which is on YouTube. By the way, I am talking with Augstone. If you ever uh, want to find Augstone, it's at Augstone on Twitter and at Augxstone. You actually have Augstone.com. I do, yes. And, and YoungSouthpaw.com. And YoungSouthpaw, part of an hour? What's the, what's the full name of the podcast? The Young Southpaw, part of an hour. <laughs> there we, let's weed off briefly to talk about this name, Young Southpaw. What, why? What's happening? Are you lefty? I I am not technically lefty, though I bat lefty and play hockey lefty, neither of which I've done in probably 30 years. <laughs> um, occasionally, I've read about like stimulating your creativity and they tell you to like use your opposite hand. So I'll try and write and draw lefty, which okay. is cool because I have like a different sort of line when I do that. And I used to brush my teeth like way too hard and I have like the gums have like really gone back. So my dentist told me you should definitely be brushing with your opposite hand. So I brushed my teeth lefty. Oh, um, the so name came from. Yes. Do you? Yes. I, I'm slightly ambidextrous, but, o- but only in random weird things like that. I brush my teeth left-handed and I dribble a basketball, which I also have not done in 30 odd years uh, with my left hand. But so what, uh, but continue. Okay, so uh, 2017, I lived in LA and I loved it, but it's expensive. And I quit my job and just, I, I was still making music at that time, but uh, right. you know, it wasn't really going to my satisfaction. I, I decided I was going to move to Nashville where okay. it would be cheaper and I could make more music. And I did right. this kind of by way of Florida where my family has a place. I drove out from LA to Boca and spent a couple months kind of regrouping. And then I drove up to Nashville in May. And like in the past five years, I've crossed the country, I think five times on my own. And okay. when you do that, you tend to talk to yourself a lot in the car. Just so you, <laughs> you know, I was going to say, so you don't go crazy, but you go a bit crazy. <laughs> and I remember uh, I just started recording this stuff that I was saying. And like, for some reason, my voice has always adopted a Southern drawl at points for reasons I can't explain, but Friends have pointed this out over the years. So mm-hmm. I started emphasizing this and I start recording while I'm driving on my phone. 
I'm driving up, you know, like through Georgia to Tennessee. And I realize I have this story going. And I start thinking about, you know, this is like something I'd like to pursue. Um, and I started thinking of a name. And I was also listening to Carl Jung, the Swiss psychoanalyst, one of his sure. audiobooks at the time. So Southpaw is literally as dumb as that I was driving through the South. And I yeah. thought it was a cool name. But I was like, I can't just call this character Southpaw. Right. But then I had the Jung thing. And I was like, well, I can't call him Jung with a J, but Jung Southpaw has like a cool sort of ring to it. I thought, right. I like, let's, let's go with that and see what happens. Sure. See how long that lasts. And <laughs> it's uh, been three years. <laughs> it's been three years of youngsouthpaw.com. Uh, which which Jung were you listening to? And was he reading it? Because didn't he die in the 50s? Yeah. I think there is like a recording of him like giving a lecture, but it was definitely uh, you know, someone, someone else, else reading. Just I an think, audible kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was like Psychology of the Unconscious. I'm pretty sure it was that one because I hadn't read his autobiography yet, which is super interesting. Well, that's interesting. It's uh, I like Carl Jung. Um, you know, one of the things I like about him is that he um, he was like, there's more to psychology than Freud, right? I mean, mm. their their split was just like, no, I see what you're doing, but I think that that you're going down sort of a blinders, kind of a narrow path, and I think that it could be also there are other things, there are other ways than just psychoanalyzing, uh, which is one of the things I like about Jung. He was like, he was willing to like sort of admit that there was uh, philosophy and religion and other things besides just science. And he was interested in the science that you could apply to the brain, but he was also willing to go, I don't know things. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the universe is larger than, you know, even science is larger than, than everything we know. I mean, that's one of the draws, right? Yeah. So, and that, you know, there is, there are objective things that I'm, well, maybe not objective, but there are things I'm experiencing that I can't explain. And it's the same with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So we have gone so far away from James Bond, <laughs> but that's all right. We're just Jung, in 30 minutes. Yeah. Jung uh, makes his way into quite a few of the Young Southpaw stories, which I'm quite pleased with. There's one, <laughs> um, what if he had been in Guns N' Roses? Um, what if Carl Jung had been in Guns N' Roses? <laughs> And that their first song, instead of being Welcome to the Jungle, was a mispronunciation on everyone's part. And it was actually oh, Jungle. Welcome to the Jungle. And then the follow-up think, story. Sorry. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I think Rangers are getting an idea of what kind of things can be found at youngsouthpaw.bandcamp.com. Yes. That yes. story is called Young Guns and Roses. <laughs> and the follow-up is called C.G. Ramon, which postulates what if he had then joined the Ramones. Wow. They had so psychotherapy I, and, you know, mm -hmm. again, subterranean jungle, which might've been a mispronunciation and Ramones sure. mania. <laughs> right. Right. All sorts of uh, stuff. There's uh there's a lot of wordplay going on in the Og Stone uh, brain box is what, yes. is what we're learning. <laughs> and um, what, what do you, I mean, okay. I, there's, uh, there's so many different, I, I can't, Let's take a break. Let's let's regroup. I'm literally just going to ask another James Bond question, All which right, is, yeah. how many books did Ian Fleming write, and then did he just license it out to other people? Because you mentioned that somebody else wrote stuff, wrote, this his, is, wrote his books. Yeah, it's super interesting. He wrote 12, I believe, and then the 13th was The Man with the Golden Gun, which he died before he could finish. And okay. it's 
it's con- kind of conjectured as to how much he had actually finished and whether someone else, you know, came in to finish it up. Um, and this was, I forget the exact year, but I think, I think it was like 64 when he died. Oh, wow. Because um, he had seen Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Might have been 63, and Dr. No came out in 62. And then in 68, Kingsley Amos, who was a huge Bond fan, who had written a couple books on Bond, um, you know, British author, he wrote Colonel Sun under the name Robert Markham. And Robert Markham was going to be an umbrella name for different authors to use to do James Bond novels and sort of okay. continue the series forward. And um, I was actually just looking at this earlier today because somebody else posted a picture of Colonel Sun in when Skyfall came out like 10 years ago, I wrote a big article about Colonel Sun for The Quietus, which is a great mm-hmm. website. I would highly recommend it to everybody. It's called cool. The Curious Case of Colonel Sun. I, just, I went deep into the history on that because um, I really loved the book and I was surprised that it had been out of print for so long. But Ian Fleming's wife hated the fact that it, it was Kingsley Amos who was going to do it. She thought he would get it all wrong, which I don't think he did at all. I think it's a great story. Okay. Um, and they sort of picked, uh, so they discontinued this idea to do more Bond novels after Colonel Sun was released until 1981 when John Gardner picked up uh, the series. Okay. And then he sort of brought Bond into the 80s, which okay. King's Lamas did not like John Gardner's novels, though I, I like them. There's a couple I really like. It's my goal in life to have read all the Bond novels. I, I stated this, I think, at the beginning of the year, that this is one of my goals. And it turns out there's 36, I think, all told, with, with everybody writing them. And I've just, I've read 19. Okay. And like the 90s ones, I think, are going to be tough. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, plowing through different, yeah. I read one of them, and it was an American writing. It was uh, Raymond Benson. And I, I liked it. I was listening to the audiobook of this one. And I liked it, but I didn't think he got Bond entirely right. Like he he makes him a bit too much of a womanizer. Like within the first chapter, he is like asking this Greek uh, military woman to join him in the shower, which James Bond would never do, at least not the Bond of the books. Right. Would you ever want to write a Bond book? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. And I actually wrote a parody. Um, okay. A few years back. I actually I have it here because I thought it was relevant. Oh, yeah. There this it is. is off. off license to kill. That's hilarity. Hilarious. A, when I, I moved to London in 2003 to do some recording, and I absolutely fell in love with London. And then I spent like the next 10 years there um, just doing what I can oh, to wow. stay there. Yeah. Um, and I was making music at the time. And actually, <laughs> I brought on Her Majesty's Secret Service over with me on the flight there in September. And I had okay. this copy from the 80s. Um, that I remember my grandmother had gotten me and I, you know, I love the book and then I'm reading it on the plane and then like at page 160, I turn it or I look at the opposite page and it's page 170, like 10 pages have dropped out of my book. And I was like, oh no. It's like one of the first things I did when I moved to this new country was I went to a Waterstones in Notting Hill Gate and just sat in a chair and read like the 10 missing pages. <laughs> and then, I mean, I used to be quite a big drinker as, um, the, the plot of this book is it's the main character is James Vagabond. And ah, he's there the you go. star agent Vagabond. of the British Drunken Secret Service. Nice. Thank you. That is awesome. So uh, that and that that fall in London was very much like an alcohol fest. Like, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's a different culture over there. The pub is just sort of central to everything. Well, I think it's just alcoholics. You if you if you want to find them, you can go to any country. And, uh, and let I me did. tell you about the culture that's in Wisconsin. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> you could find. It's a different culture in Wisconsin. Uh, it turns out there's plenty of sober people not living that culture. <laughs> but if you want to, oh, you could okay, find the culture. Yeah. But so so you were you ended up drinking your way through London for several months? Several months. And I came back a couple of days before Christmas and I just I had this idea in my head of, you know, James Vagabond, the British drunken secret service. And it was like the most ridiculous thing I had ever thought of. So I was like, <laughs> I gotta go with this. Um and I was like, Well, what what could I have him do? And obviously, and this Bill and Ted's excuse me encounter reads earlier popped into my mind. I was like, he should go back in time and stop prohibition from ever happening. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got to do this. And I sat down, I got all my old books out and read them, picked up all the DVDs like on eBay and everything and you know, watched yeah. them all and really researched it. And then in five weeks that spring, uh, I just sat there every night after work and banged out a first draft. And then it went through like a bunch of changes. Like I wrote it as a screenplay at one point, which gave me other ideas. And then when Skyfall came out, I was like, well, you can publish your own books now, like eBooks. Yep. I, I'm going to go through this one more time mm-hmm. and just get it out there because I've had it for years now. Yeah. And I went through it, but I ended up rewriting the entire third. I think it's a lot better. I rewrote basically every sentence because I was a much better writer by then. Well, that's, I mean, and, and how long it had it been since that, that first draft and the rewrite? It was uh, eight years. Eight, eight years. years yeah. I mean, even waiting a week, uh, <laughs> you you can see it a new a new angle on on things. It's always good to let a draft sit for a little bit. Eight years might be a little long, well, but I'm sure it was amazing because your writing got eight years better. And like in that time, I had written the screenplay, and I think I had gone over it one more time. And also, uh, that actually that year I quit drinking, so it okay. could have. And I didn't. I don't think I was an alcoholic. I definitely didn't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. I, I could. <laughs> right. You were just like I just. You might have been in your twenties. God knows, right? Yeah, I was in my early thirties. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I could always just drink till the cows come home, like just sure. huge quantities of alcohol. So and but like I don't look back on that time really negatively. I had a lot of fun. So sure. this sort of became this love song to my drinking days. And I yeah. threw in like all the ridiculous stuff that I could. And I, I, That's awesome. I really like it. That's awesome. That sounds great. Is that one, is it available on Amazon or something? It is. Yeah. Or, it's on yeah, all the okay. online outlets. All the online outlets. And then if just people, if people go to augstone.com, they can link to all of your different stuff, obviously. Right. You have yes. all the links. That's yeah. good. Um, cause that does sound lovely. I kind of, I kind of want to read it awesome, except for, I should probably read. Yes. Yes. And I should read some James Bond. Maybe, uh, the last, uh, um, series that I read about spies was this woman who wrote British woman. They made books out of, uh, movies out of like four of her books. Uh, she was living through the Blitzkrieg while she was writing a spy novel about just before Britain entered the war. So her name is Helen McGinnis, I believe. And um, yeah, I think you would, there's, she's written. She also wrote uh, some, uh, some uh, romance novels, but they could not be more sad sack. They are literally the most tragic romance. I mean, uh, people should get together. But I. Th- but the thing is, is when you look at what her life was during those, um, 
uh, spot um, d- during when she was writing. Um, oh, dang it. Uh, I am. This, this is a real clock eater, you guys. I'm just Googling something. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it's M-A-C-I-N-N-E-S. And she had books that were made like, uh, let's see, her, yeah. So like Above Suspicion was made into a film of the same That sounds familiar. Title. Yeah. Assignment in Brittany was also another film of hers. Is the that Venetian about the Free Brittany? Campaign. Free Britney. Yeah, yeah. It's completely about that. Double Written during the war. Is it like Written during the war. Prophecy. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but the war was sadly Iraq. And uh, so, and the first Iraq war. The uh, But she wrote um, all of these books that were from, and, and she wrote literally from 1941 to 1976. And the spy novels are kind of fascinating and her characters are very interesting. She probably has, I think she did the same thing that Ian Fleming was like, I got bills. I think we have a couple of kids here. We got to pay some. And so she was like, you got to turn the page. You got to turn the page. And so I read probably six of those books right when, right before now would have been 27. Yeah. Would have been, 2015 2016 and then they got super intense because she was living through world war ii writing about world war ii and she couldn't see the end oh yeah (laughs) and so you know when you read books that were written after it's all you know you know who wins but if you're if you're spending you know nights in the dark and sometimes underground in london uh things look a little bleak and uh, you're like, Oh, we gotta believe, gotta believe, gotta believe. And uh, there's, there's that sort of feel to it. That was kind of amazing in her first three or four books. And then weirdly enough, I think she got disillusioned after the war by, you know, cause there was the, the fall of the British empire, you know, the breaking up of the, of the British empire at that time. And also um, the cold war and uh, the Soviet Union. And so her later books become, they're all, they're James Bondy in the way that they're super anti-Russian, but they're, they're kind of mean anti-Russian. You're just like, mm-hmm. the, the Russians became the Nazis. And the British became, stayed the British. There was no, you know, it, it they were like, oh, no, now the Russians are the Nazis. They're the evildoers. And you're like, well, they weren't great, you know, but the British were nothing to write home about either, <laughs> you know. This is interesting because in Colonel Sun, the first, you know, continuation novel, um, King's Name has made the villain because this was 1968. And I guess he was kind of thinking that things were thawing between the Russians and sort of Ian Fleming did this as well, like towards the later Bond novels, it's that uh, Spectre, um, oh, which I don't remember what it stands for, but you know, it's like the Society of Terrorists, like this international oh, right, organization, right. not just like this one country. So he was sort of taking it away from that. And like in Colonel Sun, it's um, a colonel of the Red Chinese Army, thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in the future, China would become, uh, you know, one of the enemies more so than Russia. But then when he when they started up again in the eighties, it's pretty much strictly Cold War stuff, as we all remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and and at, and then in the eighties, there was nothing to write home about with the British either, or with the with the Americans. Like the thing is, is it was all pretty blurry, right? I mean, the great thing about Nazis is that they are the stormtroopers of of society. You can, with impunity, kill Nazis in a movie, right? Because you're like, oh, they're Nazis, you know. I mean, you think about Indiana Jones, yeah, you know, and it's never. There's never a, you're like, oh, that poor guy. Nope. <laughs> Nazis. I hate these guys. And uh, so, and so it is very hard to, to make the Russians into that when, I mean, though in the Helen McGinnis books, they are, they have like, it's, it's all, it's kind of, it feels sort of red skull where there's mind control, you know, the red room and black widow uh, it feels it feels like the the bad guy Russians in Marvel, of course, were the Black Widow. Um, uh, did you see Black Widow, or have you I ever read done. any any of the Black Widow business? Well, let me tell you about the Marvel uh, universe. It is uh, the Black Widow. She was stolen as a child. All girl children were 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 created. They were created to be like these widow spider you know, kind of things where they were indoctrinated with with American accents or British accents. They were watching television. They were also lethal weapons. And uh, and then when they turn like 13, they have um, hyster- their forced hysterectomies so that they can get laid and not get pregnant. And so, um, so there's, you know, there's hundreds of these little Black Widow girls who are then sent off into different countries to become the concubines or the whatever of, of, of powerful men. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, those are some bad guys. And uh, so this is, you know, this is a creation of, of that evil that, uh, that, that nobody cares if, if that guy dies. Yeah. You can kill that guy. That guy's, so that's the definition of evil over there. What's happening. And uh, so, um, did so Ian Fleming do that with the Russians? Did he make it very Cold War where they were the bad guys like that? In the beginning, um, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's From Russia with Love was the second book. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, was, about, about halfway through. What was the through, plot of that? Ooh, there was a... I, I'm going to get the book and film mixed up because it's been a long time. Though I do really like oh, that fair. movie. Yeah, but, but what's, Bond, what was the movie? Yeah, what was Bond what do you is going to sort of seduce it? an agent to get there was sort of like a each working the other to get some sort of machine, um, you know, a decrypting machine. Sure, it was, it was very. I mean, compared to like you know all the uh, bells and whistles of the later films, it was it was very low tech. And then like Moonraker, right. which was um, an early one as well. Um, he was an ex Nazi. Hugo Drax was the villain. And that's oh. the only one that takes place entirely inside of England because usually they're international and like MI6 is the international arm. So that's right. why Bond is, you know, traveling outside of the country. And so he had to get special permission to uh, mm-hmm. keep the adventure within, you know, the borders of England. Mm-hmm. And I really like Moonraker, the book. What was the plot of that one? Hugo Drax, this ex-Nazi, he shows up in England and uh, I think he's been, his face has been, uh, reconfigured sure. he's like a millionaire and like he's you know building this giant rocket and it, he his new organization is very like pro-britain he's going to help you know the nation but he's hired like all these nazis to help him and the plan is 
to launch this rocket, which will, I forget like the final, oh, they're going to test this rocket basically, which will help them with whatever. But then, then he was going to turn it around mid-flight and have it come back down onto London. And like, Bam! yeah, Bond and Galibrand get caught like within the, you know, right below the, the test site, like in like the outer ring. And it's, it's okay. really good. It's really suspenseful. Oh, that is cool. Cause it's, um, so he was, he was just, he was lying that he wasn't actually pro Britain. He was actually just he trying to get sick revenge. His revenge. On... Yeah. All right. All right. Cause I, I saw an episode. I tried to watch Columbo cause I never watched it as a kid. Me neither. And like, my British friends love this, and I, I really want to like find the time to sit down and get into it because it seems like I would really like it. But please tell it me about it. It did not take. Sadly. Oh! <laughs> I know, bit of a devastation there. But um, which I, I should try again. But uh, but I was watching it, and um, but one of the one of the first because I tried like four or five episodes. I'll 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 read. I'll watch. I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a real college try. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Terry Pratchett novels. I didn't like him till I was six in. Wow. Uh, the Dresden Files. He's he he writes better after the fourth one, and uh, you're just like you read three books and then it was better. And I was like, yeah, I'll I'm just I'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah, I'll give it a shot. But so Columbo, I need to watch more. But uh, and the character, I think it was the third or fourth one I watched. Uh, the character was fascinating because he was a German jeweler, and I was like. Oh, that guy's probably a Nazi. It's the seventies and he's age appropriate and he's a bad guy. And, uh, so, and it turns out he was one of the hiding Nazi people, right? Where the, you know, the Israelis were constantly trying to root him out because they, uh, they just tried to slide back into society, except for the ones that, uh, all the Western governments hired uh, to be part of their think tanks. Uh, so, uh, but like the guards and stuff, like just normal, like normal citizens who just murdered a bunch of people. Uh, the Israelis were like, no, we're going to find those guys. And uh, the, uh, no, we know that you kept the scientists and the, and the, and the smart guys. Yeah. All right, fine. But we're going to, we're just going to go find a bunch of the murderer types. And uh, so, uh, which I always thought was an interesting delineation on their part. Good for, hmm. all right. Uh, but, uh, but so I do, I kind of, so you think, if I were to read the a first James Bond novel, do, should I read Casino Royale, Royale, or should I go to a different one? No, Casino Royale is um, it's a lot darker and have like he is very more much more sadistic in it, and he actually toned the character down after that to make him more widely readable. <laughs> I I really like Moonraker. It's a good start. Um, the thing about Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is my favorite, and I think is widely yeah. regarded as the favorite is it's great but it's very much sort of like the end of the particular ian fleming saga of him so like i'm not going to tell you what happens at the end but there's a big thing that would uh you would probably want a few bond books under your belt before that but i can't recommend that one enough (laughs) and what movie would you recommend i watch first well actually that's i've I've, sorry what ones have you seen well i've 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 seen parts of ones where he skis out of airplanes and uh you know I I can't remember any of the ones except for the sort of the ridiculous kind of situations where but the one that I saw that I liked was Casino Royale. Yeah, that was great. They did such a good job with that. We I own that DVD. That's a weird <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess I'm this person now." And uh, cuz that's how much I like that movie. So 
Well, it's weird because my my recommend. My favorite film, and I, I love it, is Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and that's just going to ruin the plot for you anyway with the book, so maybe read a book oh, right. before you watch that one. But it is, I mean, it's got Diana Rigg in it as the Bond girl who, you know, I absolutely okay. adore. Um, sure, I could hear it in your voice. Yeah, I'm mean, uh, Avengers. So, sure. Um, so, uh, like, I think I saw Thunderbolt. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um it, Goldfinger's really was, good for Connery one. It's very 60s. Okay. Uh, I really like yeah. The Man with the Golden Gun. Again, it's lots of one-liners from Roger Moore, but <laughs> I like that. It's got Christopher okay. Lee and, and uh, Hervé Villachez. How was... Okay, Diamonds Are Forever? Diamonds Are Forever isn't great. It's good, but it's not one of the best ones. Great theme song. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. And Dr. No was just... Dr. No's good. I like Dr. Okay. No. Okay. All right. So there's a bunch of them. I'm looking. I actually pulled up a list and I haven't seen one since. Like, I think I might have seen Quantum of Solace and not liked it. I, I don't know why that um, movie was made. I can't remember, like, there being any real point to it. But then, like, Skyfall is great. Skyfall's and- great. Yeah, I love Skyfall. Oh, yeah. How was Spectre or No Time to Die? No Time to Die is the one coming up. Um, okay. Spectre, I really enjoyed. People I went okay. with didn't like it. But uh, Skyfall was great. And I, I got to see it in Sony's private theater in London because um, I was writing, <laughs> writing for the- a dream come true, yeah. So like, it was perfect. Like I was writing for The Quietest. I mean, still wrote for The Quietest, but I just sort of started and I had written that- uh, thing about Colonel Sun and uh, their film editor just called me up one day and was like, "Hey, you do anything this afternoon? You want to go to Sony's private theater and watch the new Bond film a month before anyone else can see it?" And I was like, "Yes!" Like, and it was the seats were so <laughs> comfortable and it was just awesome. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, The Living Daylights I would recommend as well. I like Timothy Dalton. People thought he was a bit too. Uh, too serious maybe and like uh the next movie he did was a bit too serious but the living daylights was the first one i saw in the theater my dad took me to see it and uh, i like that a lot i mean dalton was a good bond yeah okay so he solved that so that was good well i i have to say that um that you've kind of inspired me to kind of want to do it because it's it's i'm always i i'm currently reading uh a variety of things but uh, the uh, the the not the fiction that I've been reading has been the, uh, the Miss Fisher's murder mysteries, which is an Australia Australian private eye uh, set in 1928. Okay. And the thing about uh, Franny Fisher is she's good at everything. She is literally, if she were a Dungeons and Dragons character, she would be a Max Max character. There were, wow. there's, she's good at, she's beautiful, she's rich, she has a gold-plated gun, she can ride horses, she can fly airplanes, she's an acrobat. Uh, she And she's always on the right side of history. So um, I freaking love these books. And the <laughs> TV show was actually quite good too. But the books are slightly different and more, more intense. Like the two that I just finished were they literally go into depth about the, the immigration of Chinese um, uh, Chinese people during the Australian gold rush. And you're like, ooh, fascinating, which also happened around 1849, okay. uh, which is when the U.S. gold rush was. And uh, weirdly enough, 
a bunch of gold was found all over this planet <laughs> around the same time. <laughs> and um, people and the Chinese came to America, but they also went to Australia. And uh, very, very exciting. And so, but I think uh, it's always nice to mix them up, right? The, the sort of the pulp. And it, I'm, I'm never using that term right. I know Todd Mason, who listens to the Dork Forest, that I'm, I don't think I'm using that term right. But it is, they're... There's just there's a lot of them, and I think of it as pulp because they churn them out. Um, but I would like to I would like to read, I would like to read some James Bond uh, books. So thank you so much. Oh, let me know what you think. I I love them, and yeah. Bond is much more human in the books. Like he doesn't know everything. He's not super rich. I mean, he has money from the service that he has to get permission to use, but he purposely keeps himself uh, on a lower income because he thinks that's the way it should be like, you shouldn't be have everything at your disposal. It okay. sort of makes you a tougher character to have to, you know, get out there and earn it and fight for it. Oh, all and he right. does have to, you know, he's not superhuman. Like in the movies, he does have to learn stuff. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, see, and that's, uh, yeah. And the, the movies, they tend to gloss over a lot of stuff. So yeah, the books are, the books are often better though. I understand that that was the diff that was quite different between the book jaws and the movie Jaws, that the movie was better than the book. Do you know? Do you know the story about Jaws too? I don't. Um, in uh, the French translation uh, of Jaws is uh, Don de la Mer, uh, okay. Teeth of the Sea, mm -hmm. and then two in French is de. So when Jaws de. two came out, it was uh, Don de la Mer de, but Mer de is shit. Is shit. Yeah, so they had to change the name. I love that. Yeah, that is ridiculous. You guys, Augstone, if you like uh, what is clearly uh, a celebration of the English language, uh, you should go to Augstone.com. You should go to YoungSouthpaw.com. You should go to YoungSouthpaw.BandCamp.com. You should listen to uh, his podcast, which has the words Young Southpaw and part of an hour in it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's not wrong. Anyway, thank you so much for doing the show, Og. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?